and welcome back. This is Baller Scuba with another Scuba Cast. This is going to be Scuba Cast number five, conforming to nerd culture. Today we're going to talk about the phenomenon that we're seeing in nerd culture as it becomes more mainstream, where certain things are becoming acceptable, while other things are not becoming acceptable in terms of fandom and opinions and things like that. And we'll talk about that as the main topic today. Uh, but the scuba cast is made up of three parts. We do have a couple news topics to talk about, then we'll get into the main topic, and then we'll go into the wild card at the end. Before we get into it, though, a quick programming note, which is that we are now available on Spotify, as well as all of the other uh, podcast apps that we were on previously. So Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and now Spotify. Uh, we are on hopefully anything that you are listening to podcasts with. Hopefully we will be on that app. If not, let me know and I will see what I can do to get on those as well. But with that discussed, it is time to get into our two quick news topics today. The first one is going to be Dota 2, the international number eight. Now, I don't necessarily follow esports all that much, uh, but this really did stand out to me. Uh, as of right now, uh, the international number eight is still ongoing. I believe today is the last day, something like that. But this is something that stood out to me primarily because of the money involved. This is the largest prize pool of any esports competition in history, and yet it does not make what I would consider the mainstream media. It's not on TV, it's not in newspapers, it's really just talked about in the gaming community. The prize pool for Dota 2, the international number eight, is over 25 million dollars. Now, that is a huge number. I know uh, lots of sports competitions, like physical sports competitions, that do not give anything close to that. Granted, this is the largest uh, competition for Dota 2, which is also one of the most popular, well, esports games. Uh, but this is still a huge number, and it's amazing to me to see that kind of disconnect between the amount that is being invested into something like this uh, versus the coverage that doesn't really seem to happen as a result. Uh, $25 million, that's enough to pay several uh, professional athletes' salaries for the year. That's enough to fund an entire team, uh, even in baseball, where uh, that is often not the case. Uh, you, it won't be necessarily a good team, but you can fund an entire team with $25 million. So for that number to show up for an esports competition, I think is a pretty big deal. The other thing that stood out to me about it is that it is, and I have to kind of say this with a little bit of an asterisk, it was crowdfunded. Uh, Dota 2, the international number eight, for the $25 million dollars that is going to out as a prize pool to the competitors. That money came from the company that makes the game. It came from Valve, but only through basically a special sale that went out. Uh, once again, I don't necessarily follow Dota 2. I played it once, but I haven't played it since. So I'm not entirely sure how this works, but 
I am told that there was a specific battle pass that went out and it gave you uh, a couple things to do, a couple skins and stuff like that inside the video game itself. And 25% of the profits that went to that battle pass are now going as a prize pool for Dota 2 the International number 8. I keep on saying the whole thing out because I feel like if I say it out many times, it'll start sinking in even for me. But 25% of the sales for this DLC, more or less, uh, is now going to the competitors that play Dota 2 professionally. And that is an interesting way for something like this to be funded. I'm not sure if I'm necessarily for it or against it. I don't necessarily have an opinion because I don't know what the battle pass is or if it's worth the money that was invested into it. But it is interesting to me that Valve has decided that in order to make a large prize pool, they're going to use their players to fund it. Um, it's an interesting tactic. It is very much in the realm of what Valve normally does, where they try to get the community to not only fund what they're trying to do, but also create what they're trying to do. So Valve uses their community possibly better or at least more than most other gaming companies. We kind of talked about that a little bit in a previous podcast, but this is kind of what I'm talking about where Valve is outsourcing even the funding of their esports competitions to the fans, and the fans are responding very well to that. So that uh, that means, what is it, 25% of 25 million? So that one battle pass made Valve $100 million, and 25% of that 25 million is going to the competitors that play it professionally. Keep in mind though, and I think this is an important point, Dota 2 is a free-to-play game. You can go and play it right now for free. You don't have to go and buy it. You can just download it off Steam and you can start playing. And apparently if you get really, really good at the game amongst the best in the world, you can get a share of $25 million. I don't necessarily know how it's spread out amongst the winners, but that is an intense amount of money. That is a life-changing amount of money. And it is all done thanks to a video game, which is still something that the mainstream media do struggle with. They don't see video games as a main source of income. It's not a huge form of media to the rest of the media. They look down upon video games from television or from music or from movies, but video games are now becoming more and more profitable and that's going to be harder and harder for them to do in the long run. The other news topic that I wanted to talk about before we get into the main topic is about Telltale. So we're kind of sticking with video games this time. Uh, I normally don't talk about the release of individual games and I will talk about it this time but only to talk about a larger topic and that is that Telltale has released the final season of The Walking Dead. Uh, we're talking about the video game series that they have started. I believe this is the fourth uh, video game that they have done for The Walking Dead, but it is going to be their last one. The reason that I bring it up is not because it is the last 
uh, season of The Walking Dead by Telltale, but because this is the final game that Telltale is saying that they will release using the Telltale Tool Engine. Now, for those of you that are a little less familiar with video games, an engine is basically the core programming of a game so that every time you want to make a game, you can just grab this engine, which is basically a program, and you can tell it how things are going to respond. You can set the variables and you just kind of attach uh, graphics and interface and all that kind of stuff onto the engine to make a game. So for it to be the last game on the engine is a big deal because Telltale has been using the Telltale Tool Engine since 2004. And that's what stood out to me. Telltale has been using the same engine for 14 years. 15, if you want to count 2004 when it first came out and 2018 when the last one came out. So we're talking 14, 15 years of using the same game engine. And I think this is something that has been important to the history of Telltale, obviously because it's been a major part of their company, but it's also a sign of what the independent scene is like for video games. And I think that it has changed over the years. When Telltale first came out, I'm not sure I would consider Telltale an indie developer anymore. I feel like they're a little large for that. And of course, they've gotten so many licenses over the years that it's hard to consider them anything but mainstream. Uh, but they're not a AAA title, uh, AAA game developer by any means. So for them to start in 2004 with this engine and for people to love it, uh, it was absolutely adored when it first came out, when that first Walking Dead came, game came out, when uh, The Wolf Among Us came out, when uh, The Tales of Monkey Island came out. Those were well-loved, and people still do enjoy Telltale games. But the common consensus that I seem to find online, because I haven't played all of them, is that these games have more or less felt like clones of one another over the years, that they just keep on re replacing the game um, not with new ideas or new mechanics, but instead with new characters, typically from licenses, right? They've had the ability to get a ton of TV shows and um, comic book characters and movies and other video games uh, they've gotten the licenses for those and released versions of those games themselves from um, Back to the Future, The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Batman. Uh, they even did Minecraft and Homestar Runner with a Strong Bad series. So they've been doing a ton of licensed games for a long time. In fact, I would argue that they've gotten more licensed games than anybody else except for possibly Lego. Like Lego and Telltale are where you go if you want to play a licensed game most of the time. That's not going away, but their engine is. And I, th I think that's a big deal because it has been around for so long. 2004 was not that long a time ago in terms of uh, lives and history and stuff like that, but in terms of video games, 14 or 15 years is a long time. I believe 2004 was when World of Warcraft first came out. And look where that is now. For them to be still using the same engine uh, is kind of a big deal. And the fact that they're ending it 
is also quite a big deal. So you might ask, what are they moving on to? Did they create a new engine? Uh, the, the short answer is no. Uh, they moved over to a Unity-based system, which is what most other uh, smaller developers use. They use Unity to kind of make their game. Um, but apparently they are not going to be dropping the licenses that they've earned over the years because the, the first game that they're going to release on a Unity-based system is going to be Stranger Things, uh, which, to be honest, I'm a little excited about because I'm a fan of Stranger Things, but it's interesting to me that one company has been able to do so much on a single engine, and although they were slow to react to the fans' reaction, they are finally making that change, and I think that was something relatively important to talk about. All right, so those are the two news topics that I wanted to talk about. It is now time to talk about uh, our main topic today. Uh, I originally wanted to call this uh, the galvanization of nerd culture, but I went ahead and changed it. It is more about conforming to nerd culture because I have noticed a trend over the years. Uh, when I was growing up in middle school and high school, and this probably dates me at this point, but uh, it was not cool to be a nerd. It was not okay to like nerdy things like Star Wars or Star Trek or Lord of the Rings or uh, video games. That was not really a popular thing to, to enjoy. Uh, when I was a kid, of course, it was professional wrestling, which is kind of ironic considering that nerd culture is now much more mainstream and it's considered nerdy to like professional wrestling. But that's a whole different topic. For what we're talking about today, what was important was that nerd culture was hidden, it was underground, and it was personal. What you liked in high school was kind of unique to you. And that really separated you from the group a lot. It was always, there was always a sense of separation uh, when, it be, when it came to being a nerd uh, when I was growing up. Uh, that seems to have gone away. And that is, I think, a good thing to some extent. Uh, it is a good thing that you don't necessarily have to hide who you are or what you like, at least as much anymore. I don't think you have to hide it at all anymore, especially with the advent of uh, the internet. You can find uh, people that think, well, similarly to you, but that also comes with a price. As you find people online that you are able to talk to that agree with you about things that you didn't necessarily think that other people agreed with you on, it starts to form... Well, there's two terms that I've heard. I don't like either one of these terms, though. Uh, I've heard the term groupthink, which, of course, came from Orwell in 1984, uh, the book 1984. Uh, groupthink is something that he came up with where everybody just kind of conforms their opinion to what they're told to think. And that is something that I'm seeing a lot. Uh, the other term is hive mind, which is also just, a, it's not a term that I like very much. It sounds weird, but the phenomenon is still there. You're seeing people start agreeing with things and becoming um, more staunch in their opinions 
about certain things than they would have if they didn't have as many other people telling them something that they agreed with. Now, this is not unique to nerd culture. This is something that has been around probably forever. Probably as long as there have been humans, there have been uh, people that not necessarily change their opinion, but are more adamant in their opinion and have stronger beliefs in that opinion because other people agreed with them. What I think has changed is that this is now applying to nerd culture in a way that it did not happen when I was a kid. Like I said, when I was growing up, uh, the fact that I played video games was something that was, I felt unique to me. I, I had certain video games that I enjoyed that I didn't think too many other people enjoyed. I had uh, television shows that I watched that nobody else I knew watched. I had uh, books that I read that I enjoyed that I don't think anybody else read. Now, it seems like there's always not only someone else that has seen or read or played these things. There's entire communities behind it. And that is good. It gives you a support system. It allows you to be a little bit more open about what you enjoy, like I said before. But at the same time, as you get into that community, chances are you're going to reinforce your own opinions. Let's say you like Star Wars, and then you go find a group of people that also like Star Wars, and then you start talking about Star Wars a lot. Chances are you're going to like Star Wars more because of that group and you enjoying time with that group than you actually really like Star Wars. And I think Star Wars is a great example of what I'm talking about because Star Wars is a franchise that it's almost not allowed for you as a nerd to say you don't enjoy. I do like Star Wars. I will go out of my way to see Star Wars movies and I try to watch uh, Star Wars TV shows, the rare occasions that they come out. I tend to stay away from the books and video games as a whole. I know there are exceptions. I know there are good ones. But as a whole, especially the video games when I was growing up, uh, the, the video games were not that great. There were exceptions, don't get me wrong, but as a whole, there was a lot of bad stuff over there. Uh, I do enjoy the series, though. But as I talk to people who say they are diehard fans of Star Wars, it is more than likely that there are huge parts of the franchise that these people do not enjoy. And that is something that I think should be more openly discussed. Uh, I think that the idea that everybody loves everything about Star Wars, if you are a nerd, is something that is pervasive in our culture. If you are a nerd, you have to know who Boba Fett is, you have to know Darth Vader, you have to be able to quote Darth Vader lines. Um, but at the same time, the conforming opinion about Star Wars is that the first three movies were great, except the Ewoks. The first three the prequel movies were terrible and that the new stuff is also terrible which is kind of a weird place to be that that seems to be 
the so-called groupthink or hive mind opinion about Star Wars these days. I personally didn't like the, the prequels that much. I did like the original series. Uh, I thought the Ewoks were not great, but I didn't hate them by any means. I felt it was a weaker part of the series, but I didn't think that they were terrible. And that's one of the things that I did notice about uh, the trend in nerd culture lately is that there's no such thing as okay. There's either great or terrible, and there's nothing in the middle. And like I said, Star Wars is a great example to talk about that. So the idea is that the first three movies, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, they're great. They're the best. And everything after that was terrible. And I, I think that's not the way that you should look at it. Uh, for instance, I think the first movie, Star Wars, is kind of a lesser, lesser film in the series. I like it. I enjoy it, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's amongst the best movies of all time, like a lot of other people seem to want me to say. I think there are a lot of problems with it, uh, primarily the stuff that happened afterwards that make the first movie seem like it's almost flat out lying to you at points, but that's something that we could talk about at a different time. The, the idea here is that people have their own opinions and it is not necessarily a good idea to try to stifle them in order to make everybody kind of agree with any one point of view. And that's what I'm seeing a lot in nerd culture. Uh, I could list a ton of other examples too. Stuff that is good, stuff that is bad, stuff that we kind of all agree on. Even though the more that I talk to people, the more it does not seem like a universal opinion. We're talking about maybe a 60-40 if you were to do a poll. Um, for instance, I recently got into Rick and Morty. I watched Rick and Morty. I like Rick and Morty, but I don't necessarily understand the huge hype behind that series. I like it. I enjoy it. But they act sometimes like it's one of the best series ever made, and I, I just don't see it that way. There are a lot of things that I don't necessarily enjoy as much as what seems to be popular on the internet. And it becomes, once again, uh, something that makes me kind of disassociate with the mainstream opinion, just like when I was in high school. And when I was in high school, that was something that I did not enjoy. And now that I'm older, it's still something that I don't enjoy. It is more difficult now, I think, to express a dissenting opinion than it was 10 years ago. And I think that is something that is not something that we should try to encourage. I think that there should be debate about these kinds of things. So, for instance, let's take something that I have not heard anybody say anything bad about yet, which is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The, the biggest complaint that I hear is that there's too much of it, that there's just too much going on. But I have never heard anybody say they don't enjoy the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and claim to be a nerd and a superhero fan or something like that, right? I know people that say, I don't watch superhero movies, but it's usually 
something to the effect of because they're for kids or they're stupid or superheroes suck or, you know, something like that. But when it comes to people that consider themselves nerds, the overall opinion, almost the unanimous opinion that I've heard is that those are great. All of them are great. And I love those movies. There are a lot of really good movies there. But I don't think that my opinion changes when other people tell me that they disagree with that opinion. And I think that it is good to hear opposing views every once in a while. Uh, You don't have to do it all the time, but I wish it did happen more often than it does. Uh, we we, We kind of have sectioned ourselves off into these neat little groups that kind of agree with us on almost everything. And I don't necessarily think that is a good way to look at it. Meanwhile, some of the stuff that I grew up on is still not considered mainstream nerd culture. And I don't necessarily want to fix that, but I want to kind of give a sense of how I feel these conversations should go uh, with trying to introduce somebody else to what you enjoy. So let's talk about something that I have talked about on my YouTube channel a couple times, uh, although I haven't, you know, talked about it too much. And that is the television show that was my favorite growing up uh, that nobody seems to remember. And it was a television show by the name of Reboot. Now this was, I'm told, the first fully CGI cartoon. Uh, It was a show that took place inside a computer and there would be sprites, literally called sprites, walking around trying to live their lives while the evil viruses were trying to destroy the mainframe, which was the name of the city. There was also the user, which would drop in and try to uh, win a game. They They would play a video game. And if the user won the video game, all the sprites that were inside that block where the game took place died. It was a really fun and really good, at least for me, television show. So if you have not seen it, I highly recommend it. It's not very long. I only think it's two or three seasons. Um, It didn't particularly do very well but it was my favorite I went back and watched it it holds up it really does it is something that I have been a fan of so I would recommend that you go watch it of course if you have time so that's how I feel that these things kind of should be approached what happens a lot of the time though is especially if it's a mainstream thing like imagine me saying it like this instead where I say what you haven't seen reboot yet like I can't even talk to you right now it is the best thing ever you need to stop everything and watch it right now and that's what I hear a lot I hear that kind of stuff much more often now that might be where I live but I also see it on the internet and it is not a healthy way to talk about it. It is very 
condescending, it, it puts people off, and it is very reminiscent of how I felt in high school when I was being kind of pushed away by the mainstream. Basically, nerd culture has adopted the things that I hated about the popular kids in high school. And that is something that is quite disconcerting to me. Uh, I see it a lot in uh, video games. I even get it on my uh, YouTube comments uh, from time to time for my Let's Plays that if I'm playing a game, I'm not allowed to say anything bad about it because it's a good game. It's the best game. So I'm not allowed to point out its flaws. And that's never been a belief that I've had over the years. Instead, I have always believed that I can appreciate a game while still telling you that there are problems with it, that there are rooms for improvement. There's always room for improvement. So I point out when that happens. I point out what I'm honestly feeling. And a lot of times I do get backlash for that, which is honestly always a little weird. Um, that's not necessarily the reason I wanted to talk about this particular topic today. It was actually Rick and Morty when I watched it, and I still struggle with that. Um, I like it, but man, people will start quoting things that I've seen once and barely remember as if it was, I don't know, like an old episode of The Simpsons that we've seen a hundred times. It is something that is weird to me that so much has changed over the years when it came to being a nerd and being a fan. Um, nerd culture is becoming much more mainstream, of course. There are several stores at the mall that I go to that now sell nerd stuff, uh, be it uh, Hot Topic or a, a couple local places. Um, I think my local mall has three places that sell nerdy things that, well, that includes kind of Disney stuff, uh, but also things like Stranger Things and Game of Thrones and um, Rick and Morty and Bob's Burgers, which I haven't talked about yet, but I should. Uh, we'll get back to that, though. And then at the mall, there's probably about five stores that sell anime-related stuff where you can buy Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon and Naruto and uh, One Piece stuff just everywhere. Uh, but as it becomes more mainstream, I think that nerd culture needs to be as inclusive as it used to be, which is we need to keep in mind that we want other people to enjoy what we enjoy. We don't necessarily want to force our opinions of something onto other people. And that's something that I think has changed. Uh, that used to be the complaint that we had um, in you know, when I was in middle school and high school, that we used to have that about, you know, the more popular kids, the uh, jocks and cheerleaders, so to speak. Although at my high school, the jocks and cheerleaders weren't that popular. It was a very strange high school, apparently. But I think that differing and dissenting opinions are important and should always be heard. I don't think that we should silence people who say that something is not good when everybody else says it, it is good. We shouldn't silence that opinion. We should try to hear it out and try to see things from a different perspective. And I guess that's kind of the, the goal of this. I should also point out, since I mentioned that I would talk about it again, uh, I have been watching Bob's Burgers a lot lately. 
I am I believe I'm caught up on that one. Uh, same with Rick and Morty. Um, I personally like Bob's Burgers a lot. Uh, I feel that the comedy there is is really nice, and as a result, I end up liking it more than Rick and Morty, which is once again probably one of those things I shouldn't say because it kind of goes against the nerd culture groupthink hive mind so to speak uh, but that is my honest opinion is that I like Bob's Burgers more I feel that the humor there is much more relatable instead of necessarily always uh, referential like Rick and Morty is where I think there was an episode of Rick and Morty where they just talked about Minecraft for a bit then mentioned Reddit and like Simpsons Halloween episodes and stuff like that um, that although it is something that we might talk about in daily life, at least in my daily life. I don't necessarily think that is where uh, humor should always stem from. So that's kind of one of my reasons for that. But once again, that's just an opinion. And you're allowed to disagree with it. You don't have to agree with me on everything. And that's kind of the whole point of our main topic today. Uh, the wild card today is going to be at least a little different. It looks like I'm and a little bit short on time. Didn't go as long as I thought, but that is the main topic. That's mostly what I wanted to talk about. Basically, as nerd culture becomes more and more mainstream, we have to keep in mind that it is not a single monolith of opinions. And I think that as time goes on, more and more likely uh, people look at it that way. If you are a nerd, then you must like Star Wars and Star Trek and old Simpsons and hate new Simpsons. And you must love Firefly and Futurama and X-Files and you're not allowed to say anything bad about them. But that's not the way that nerd culture should be. That's at least my opinion on it. Once again, if you have a differing opinion, that's all right. But now it is time to go into the wild card. And we have a relatively short wild card today. It is relatively related to our main topic. Uh, I want to talk about the terms overrated and underrated. You don't necessarily hear these as often as I did maybe five years ago, but I still hear these terms a lot. And they are terms that I don't necessarily like all that much because, once again, it is about the conformed opinion. I don't even think that's a word, but I'm going to keep it. Conformed opinion about a certain thing. For instance, The Simpsons. That's another great example. The Simpsons has been voted both the most overrated show and the most underrated show at the same time. It is a very strange thing. The Simpsons, of course, has been around for I think they're entering season 30, so 29 years. It's been around for 29 years. It's been around seemingly forever. Um, but the terms overrated and underrated, I don't think are necessarily valid terms in order to make an argument because it implies two things that are necessary in order to make something overrated or underrated. The first thing that it needs is the popular opinion. You need the popular opinion as a basis for something to be overrated or underrated. What ends up happening is that you then take your opinion of the thing and weigh it against the public opinion and therefore say something is overrated or underrated based on your opinion 
versus the popular opinion. That's the way that the terms are supposed to work. What ends up happening is that a lot of times people use the terms to mean I like this and I don't like this. So something that is underrated is something that they like and something that is overrated is something that they don't like, regardless of what the popular opinion is. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't like the terms at all uh, because there are so many opinions out there that it is almost impossible sometimes to get an actual rating from the general population. It is difficult for me to say that something is overrated or underrated because I don't know what most people think about this thing. It's a lot easier to do that uh, thanks to Steam. So if a game's on Steam, I can say, wow, this was voted overwhelmingly positive. It was not that good. This is overrated. But once again, that's my opinion of it. Obviously, most people think that it was overwhelmingly positive, uh, but, or at least it was positive. Um, but it's a lot more difficult when it comes to other things. When it comes to uh, television shows or movies or stuff like that, the question always becomes overrated or underrated by whom and about whom. Uh, you can easily say that, I don't know, Avengers Infinity War is an overrated movie, basically saying you didn't like it, but it is also one of the more popular movies. It makes a ton of money. But it also didn't do great with critics, right? I doubt that Avengers Infinity War will be nominated for Best Picture of the Year, uh, even though it is by far the most profitable. So by that metric, it is underrated by the movie critics who don't appreciate what the general population say about it. Uh, speaking of the Oscars, they recently put out a new um, award for like best popular movie. Avengers Infinity War will probably win that simply because it was uh, so popular and the Academy felt like they should give it something for that, but it most likely will not win best picture. Best Picture will probably go to some movie that you may or may not even have heard of until the nominations come out. That's just kind of how the Oscars work. So that's one of those things where it becomes difficult to say a, game, a movie, sorry, a movie is overrated or underrated because the critics have a completely different criteria for how they rate movies. It is easy to say that a big blockbuster movie is underrated by critics because it's better than what because you thought it was better than what they thought but they're looking at different things than you are so there's always going to be a problem with the terms overrated and underrated and i feel like they're used too often to describe an opinion that doesn't necessarily coalesce with the mainstream opinions but a lot of times what you're basing it off of what you're comparing your opinion to doesn't match up because you're comparing apples to oranges so to speak you're looking at was i entertained by this movie and the critics are saying how much of this is new a lot of the time if it, they feel like it's something that's been rehashed 
several times, then they're going to say it wasn't that great of a movie. But if you're able to sit down and suspend disbelief, you might say that's enough for me to say this was a great movie. So it's always difficult to use the terms overrated and underrated. It's something that people have asked me about several times in the past. What do you think is the most overrated video game franchise? What do you think is the most underrated video game franchise? Um, and it's difficult because the answer is always by whom. Are we talking about how the industry views these video games? If that's the case, uh, the best video game franchise out there is Madden or uh, Forza Horizon or the FIFA games, uh, meaning that EA is the best video game company out there simply because they make the most sales. But if we're talking about by the fans, then the best games out there are uh, usually whatever big AAA title comes out. Uh, God of War recently came out, and that would probably be the best game, right? So we have completely different things there uh, as to what the best game is. If we're talking about highest rated, I haven't looked up what the highest rated game is this year. I assume God of War is up there, um, but it's probably an indie title. If we're being 100% honest, it's probably an indie title uh, made by maybe a group of five people or less that I may or may not have heard of. Uh, if we're talking about the esports thing, then Dota 2 is the best game of the year, even though they're on year eight of having their international competition. It's difficult to say what is overrated and underrated. And it's not exclusive to nerd culture either. Um, there has been a lot of talk of um, overrated and underrated in I've seen professional wrestling. I've talked about this a couple of times. If you can't tell, I'm kind of a fan. Uh, they were talking about most overrated and underrated professional wrestlers in history. And the answer was always by whom? Um, you know, you can look at Hulk Hogan, who everybody knows as a professional wrestler. Is he overrated because he wasn't a very good wrestler? That kind of thing. And then you go, well, maybe, but he only had the title so many times. This guy had the title 20 times and he's not that good, right? It, it's, it's a debate to start for terms that don't really mean much, I guess is the point that I'm trying to make here. There is a lot of debate that goes into the terms overrated and underrated, but the terms themselves don't mean that much. It more or less means what do you like and what do you not like? And you find yourself re meeting resistance when you say that. And that has a lot to do with conforming to nerd culture. Because if I were to say that I like this, but a lot of people tell me that they don't, then all of a sudden I feel that this game is underrated. And if I say I don't like this game, but everybody else says they do, then the term overrated comes a lot. But I think that these are not valid terms to use when talking about much of anything. They're not good descriptors of your opinion or how you feel everybody else's opinion goes about something. So those are the terms that I kind of wanted to talk about today. So we're a little bit short today on the podcast. We didn't get to the full hour, but those are the three things that I wanted to talk about. We went through the news topics. We talked about Dota 2. We talked about uh, Telltale. Then we went into conforming ner nerd culture. And then we talked about the terms overrated and underrated. And that is going to do it for ScubaCast number five. 
I hope you guys have enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, feel free to leave a like here or some sort of rating on one of the podcasting apps, however you're listening to it, however the ratings work there. Ratings are always appreciated. If you do want to vote on the next ScubaCast, there will be a vote up on Patreon. Link should be in the description somewhere to my Patreon. If you are a patron, you can have access to vote on what I do. Uh, there's more details there. Feel free to check out my YouTube channel if you're not watching it there. Feel free to see uh, what I'm posting on Twitter and Instagram. Those are a lot of links but that is all the plugs that I got today. So I hope you guys have enjoyed the Scuba Cast. I've been Baller Scuba. I've been joined, as always, by nobody. It's just me. One of these days we'll have a co-host. But I hope you guys have enjoyed the Scuba Cast. I hope you laughed. Hope you learned. Hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening.